Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your avocado, Daniel. Oh, avocado. Hmm. We're still going to have that debate, that fruit versus vegetable debate here in a little bit. I don't bit. even know who you are. <laughs> and I'm, I am your prickly pear, Adam. Prickly pear? You've definitely used that one before. I may have used pear, but probably not prickly pear. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, shit. And welcome to Passion I, Fruits. The next few, like, 20 episodes, I'm just going to use different types of apples. Oh, thank yeah. God. Granny Smith Apple Adam. Fuji apples. Um, <laughs> yes, welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. Yes, it is. This is a podcast. A podcast. What do we do? On this podcast, Adam. Man, on this podcast, Daniel, we do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, we do. Lots and lots of things. So primarily, we talk about oh, things. Shit. He's getting really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled out so, section A, subsection 1 Of our B. bylaws. <laughs> uh, we talk about a great many things on this podcast, yeah. Daniel, but primarily, we look at what takes someone from being a casual fan yeah. of something to being a passionate or fanatic about something. Yeah, we focus on our personal stories, our guest personal stories, to figure out how someone goes absolutely crazy for a certain subject. So we have had many uh, episodes, um, and yeah, we're just like fucking on fly... Just rolling through. We're uh, firing on all cylinders is what I wanted to say. Yes, firing on all one and a half cylinders. Yes. Um, We're the eco version of podcasts. What? Yeah. (laughs) We're the hybrid version. Fuel efficient. Um, So today we uh, are continuing our music band series and we are going to talk about the amazing band Queens of the Stone Age, and also a little bit of Josh Homme, <laughs> front man of Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, yes, so to, yes. Pre- to preface, this is a rock music band. Rock rock music. And uh, Daniel gave me, surpri- surprise, surprise, a longer <laughs> playlist than ever before to listen to, to, to prep for this. Uh, I, it will become clearer once we go through some of the songs on the playlist, yes. but um, yes, I gave Adam about 50 songs to listen to. And very to. explicit instructions. <laughs> yes. He was like... You mean you couldn't <laughs> shuffle? Stupid Adam wanted to shuffle songs. I was like, keeping, mixing things up, man. You nope. know, just mixing things around. No. Making sure that, you know, just never know what's coming around the corner. Think <laughs> agile, man. Yeah. I've never been a big fan of your beatnik character. <laughs> Mostly because of the alliteration that it, he often uses. <laughs> but uh, keep workshopping it. Well, yeah, that's what this podcast is. This podcast is just a work, a long-running workshop for my characters. different characters. <laughs> yeah, yes. Totally. All right, so, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to play in this space, Adam, so <laughs> turn around. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into Passion Fruitspedia. Um, I want to say at the top, because I feel like the Queens of the Stone Age fan base is very opinionated, and they all have <laughs> their... Um, it 
There's no easy way to, there's no casual fan of Queens of the Stone Age. Hold on. More opinionated than the model trains <laughs> fan base? Oh my goodness, Daniel. That was our, that was just the creme I de la creme for our, our, uh, for our controversial episodes. You're right. Yeah, man. We got a lot of hate mail for that. There was a Oof. lot of controversy in that episode. Mostly, why did we ever record that episode? JK, Adam. JK Simmons. It's not our fault that most of the, most of the interest, uh, most of the people interested in model trains don't know what a podcast is. That's true. We need to um, have like a Doctors Without Borders kind of nonprofit, <laughs> but a podcast without podcast without age. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So but we're here. We're here wait, to. We, we are something. here to. God, Adam is so rude. Oh uh, yes. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me talk. Let me talk. Okay. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> we are here to introduce, uh, kind of extraneous hobbies and interests to the masses. That's our goal, right, Daniel? Yes. So very maybe much so. that's why the Model Trains episode was Wait. so well received. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're still stuck on Model Trains. Yes. Um, what I was going to say before Adam had to focus on Model Trains was that we are not experts on our passions. We try and do our best when it comes to kind of the Passion Fruits Pedia section, giving a brief history of the subject we're talking about. But again, before any Queens of the Stone Age fans uh, tweet at us, we are not experts. So if we say something wrong, uh, it's right in this episode. So let's dive into it. Passion Fruitspedia. So Adam, uh, would you like me to start or would you like to start? I will start. Okay, what is a Queens of the Stone Age? A Queens of the Stone Age is a music rock band. Music rock uh, band. (laughs) From uh, the, the genesis of which was an America. Oh boy. Uh, back in 1996, way, way back. Way when. back. Classic when. 90s music. Yeah. Back you. when Tool released its last album. Oh, hey oh. That's <laughs> timely. That's but. timely due to the uh, the the, the uh, recording session that Fuck we were. Yeah. Anyways, um, they were formed out in Palm Desert, California. Yep. Out in the desert. Desert yes. rock, bro. So, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Where did that name come from, Daniel? Um. So. They were tossing around several names, and they wanted kind of something sexy and something dangerous. And Kings of the Stone Age uh, sounded too macho, as Josh Homme said in a uh, recent, or a, not a recent, <laughs> a very old interview. Uh, but <laughs> Queens bet. of the Stone Age is very like sexy, and you know, uh, okay. as uh, Josh Homme said, the front man, excuse me, the front man of Queens of the Stone Age, and the long they only true founding member uh queens of the stone age hang out with the kings of the stone age girlfriends when they wrestle (laughs) that wasn't where Uh, i wanted to start the quote shit rock Mm. should be heavy enough for the boys and sweet enough for the girls and i we will get into that because i totally agree because that is a ethos that queens of the stone age really gets into man i wonder Um, where the name stone age come from though like are they really that old josh homney is you know Millions of years old. Ow. Oh, Adam. Oh, my God. You're busting it. <laughs> You're busting it wide open. Yes. Ow. <laughs> Call the doctor. <laughs> Call the doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, so the current members of... <laughs> Dan- Daniel's just railroading us back on topic. Yes. Yo, oh, wait, Mr. Dave Matthews, man. Uh, the cur- current members of Queen of the Stone Age are... Founder and frontman Josh Homme, mm-hmm. Troy Van Leeuwen, uh, who plays guitar. Sure, sure it's not Troy Van Leeuwen. Uh, you're probably right in the 
um, true traditional sense. Um, Michael Schumann, who plays bass and a lot of other stuff. Uh, Dean Fertitta <laughs> plays keyboards, <laughs> guitar, a lot of other stuff. And John Theodore, who used to play for the Mars Volta, um, oh, is on drums. Gotcha. And that has been a lineup that they've had for the past, oh gosh, probably seven years. Okay. Six years, right yeah. when Like Clockwork came out, uh, their album from 2013, gotcha. of course, uh, was when this lineup was formed. But in 1996 and in 1995, after the breakup of his previous band, Josh Homme's previous band, Caius, will play a little bit of their music. To- <laughs> pronounce it Caius. <laughs> See, I don't, and I've heard a lot of pr- people pronounce it Caius. Oh, okay. So but not completely I've pronounced it Caius all my life. When I was a baby, my first word was Caius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, thought it was Death ma- uh, I thought it was uh, uh, Master of Puppets. So yes, Josh Homme formed uh, after playing in a... Um, Briefly joined Screaming Trees as a touring guitarist before deciding to form a new band, which he called Gamma Ray, but then they changed their name to Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and he took kind of the... So Caius is... Some people reduce it down to a stoner rock band. Caius is a desert rock band with elements of stoner rock. Okay. And it's very... I don't know the differences between the two, but sure, I'll <laughs> take you, your word. So, for it. if you listen to more of the desert rock scene, you what is would... the desert rock scene? Is it like rock played <laughs> so, exclusively okay, at Burning Man? <laughs> this, I warned Adam this. I warned Adam uh, like a month ago when we last recorded that this episode would probably take two hours, and it will. Um, so, the desert rock scene, and this is where my ignorance is going to show, but the desert rock scene was formed around this area, Palm Desert, California, where Caius and a bunch of other bands would play what they called generator parties. They would go to the end of like a highway or a broken down area in the desert, hook up a generator and just play music and just get super blazed, man. And um, that's how Caius got so famous was through these, well, famous in the scene, was through the generator parties. So, oh boy, <laughs> for uh, yesterday, um, not that the date really matters, but there is a big call to rush Area 51. Oh, yeah. So, would Desert Rock be applicable in that sense? Like, set up a big party, rush Area 51. I would probably say blast some Caius. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I would say that Megadeth's Hangar 18 would probably be more appropriate, oh, okay. just mm. on a loop ah, over, nice. and over again. Nice. Um, so, yes, Caius was around for several years before uh, Josh Hom. They the band broke up and Josh Homme formed Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and their first kind of album kind of blended the stoner desert rock sensibilities of Caius with the music that uh, Queens of the Stone Age would evolve into. Gotcha. Are you asleep yet? <laughs> Listeners out there. <laughs> oh, <boy>. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I want to kind of set the stage to, now that we just went through the Passion Fruits Pedia section, but... Um, Wait, I'm not done. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It wasn't, it wasn't for... Anyway, no, Daniel is a huge Queens of the Stone Age fan. Yes. Very passionate fan. Yes. I really enjoy Queens of the Stone Age, but definitely am not on the same level that yes. Daniel is on. Yes. Um, this will... 
<laughs> not being nearly as contentious as like our uh you know rem or dave matthews band yeah. Episode. yeah so so like we, we agree on, on 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 a lot of things um but at the same time like i just don't know nearly as much about the band's history yeah and whatnot um so that's what i'm really looking forward to about getting into here and was really <laughs> really uh intrigued by the playlist daniel sent over yes so um, i hope i've been doing an okay job in passion for Speedia so far <laughs> um but before adam interrupted with that um this so, is so long <laughs> Jesus. all right i was listening to a podcast yesterday they were they talked about their outlines which are like 25 pages long so you should be thankful we need just do a better job of riffing off the cuff man yeah <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> oh i mean yeah um so yes queens of the stone age is my absolute favorite band along with Metallica Metallica and Queens of the Stone Age, two of my absolute favorite bands. Um, getting back to the kind of the history of Queens of the Stone Age. So Josh Homme through, oh gosh, there's, there's so much surrounding Josh Homme and Queens of the Stone Age, but from 1995, 1996 to about 2003, Josh Homme was like almost quit music. Like, wasn't sure about playing music anymore. Um, but what he did was started this, um, not a group, but it's a recording group, recording session called Desert Sessions. And they've come out with 12 volumes. It's just he gets a bunch of musician friends. They come to the studio where they record most of their stuff, um, where Queens of the Stone Age records most of their stuff in the desert and write music for the fun of it. And Josh Homme has talked about it, how, you know, the songs could be the shittiest songs we ever wrote, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. We recorded it and we put it out. And they're actually coming out with a new Desert Sessions in October of 2019. Get ready. And watch the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix and listen to <laughs> <Whoa>. Desert Sessions. <laughs> Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, I thought I saw like a little documentary on it and like Rick, they were interviewing Rick Rubin about it. I, I just possibly think yeah well so Rick uh, this is my ignorance again showing but did Rick Rubin work with Nirvana mm, I don't think so okay. I think that was before his time because so he worked with the Foo Fighters okay so Dave Grohl um, is a huge Queens of Stone Age fan yeah. and a, was a huge Caius fan yeah so that's probably because I don't know if Rick Rubin has ever produced the Queens of the Stone Age album gotcha so that's probably how Rick Rubin got hooked up and I interrupted you what were you going to say I think the up leveling this one step is I think Queen for all the listeners out there who have not heard of Queens of the Stone Age, you have probably heard Queens of the Stone Age totally. at some point in time. Yes. It's like uh um there are so many especially when Daniel put the playlist together, there's so many songs mm-hmm. out there that you don't immediately recognize as being Queens of the Stone Age if you're not a fan of the band. But right. they're everywhere. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, Josh Hame is totally intertwined with a lot of like the great, like the rock greats essentially. And they, they totally. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're still producing albums today. They came out with an album in 2017. Josh Homme is working on desert sessions and that should be coming out soon. But anyway, so getting back <laughs> to the formation of Queens of the Stone Age, what I'm trying to paint the picture of is, and why I kind of said that Josh Homme is the, has been the, most consistent member and basically the only founding member is because with the music that he created with desert sessions and going into Queens of the stone age, he always had a rotating lineup. Like he would get 
different people to come and tour with him. So he had, you know, they had a consistent drummer for a while. They had consistent people for a while, but Queens of the Stone Age has always been Josh Homme and he hasn't limited himself to stick with the same four or five people. Gotcha. He brings all the musicians that he wants in to record on their album and then they'll just tour with their touring group. But the touring group will then come back and record you know, it's not like the, they're not a bunch of touring musicians or session musicians. Right. They'll have the touring group, if they're really dri- jiving together, they'll come and uh, continue as like a full band. But they'll oh. add a bunch of people. So like okay. Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters yeah. played drums on Songs for the Deaf, the right. entire album, and maybe played um, four or five shows with them, Yeah, which are phenomenal if you watch those shows. Um, but of course, he's not going to go tour with Queen, Queens of the Stone Age as the drummer for like a full two years because he's got Foo Fighters. You and I always said that. <laughs> I think a dream tour would oh be God. to have um, them Crooked Vultures, <laughs> which would open for Queens of the Stone Age, which would open for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, before I um, freak out. So moving further into Queens of the Stone Age, is history. Let's go back <laughs> to the Bronze Age. <laughs> um, they started to get more famous and get more recognition with their second album, Rated R. Um, and that was actually an album that Dave Grohl was uh, um, invited to play drums on. Um, apparently his schedule didn't work out, so he wasn't able to play on that. And he, of course, played on their third album. But with their third album was when they really broke through the mainstream with their hit, uh, No One Knows, and Go With The Flow. And why don't we actually play some of those right now so people can wake up. So this song was like everywhere in the early 2000s was what broke them through to the mainstream. Yeah. And what made them kind of the purveyors of rock and roll to the future. It's funny because uh, there are interviews with Dave Grohl where he's like actively promoting this album because he was drumming on this album. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is Lullabies to Paralyze. Oh right. my God, Adam! This oh, is sorry. Songs from the Deaf. Songs deaf. from the Deaf, Adam. Sorry, Adam. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, remember, guys. Remember, we're not experts. We're not experts. Okay, <laughs> we just lost half a million viewers, <laughs> listeners, viewers. Yeah. Um, the but it, it's funny because uh, the Foo Fighters kept getting invited to play at the Grammys. And it's like them and the and Queens of the Stone Age that always play at the Grammys. And yeah. Dave's joke is like, there are just no other rock bands True. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so with that song, No One Knows, and Go With The Flow, which maybe we'll play later, um, that was what broke them through to the mainstream. Um, they've had, uh, especially on Songs for the Deaf and Rated R, their second and third albums, um, they've had multiple singers they have a lot of kind of um what am i trying to say harmonic vocal lines yeah on some songs on songs for the deaf 
one singer will sing it totally alone. Then Josh Homme will sing a song. Then they'll switch. So um, that was kind of what set them apart from other rock bands. Um, and then moving into some of their other albums like Lullabies to Paralyze, um, Era Vulgaris, like Clockwork, and the latest release, Villains. Um, they're still very relevant. Um, I mean, rock music isn't really relevant today um, anymore because of that hip-hop um, and that pop music in that country. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that darn pop music! <laughs> but Josh Homme is very relevant in the rock scene and produces a bunch of stuff and Queens of the Stone Age is very relevant in the rock scene. No, I think we're set. That is kind of a very brief, brief overview of the history of Queens of the Stone Age. Um, really kind of the formation is kind of important because that plays a part in how they record today and how their bands... Um, Kind of members are set up and stuff like that. So, <laughs> did I do it? I blacked out. What did I even say? <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. You uh, ha- clearly know a lot about the history behind the band, as well, <laughs> I do not. Um, but I think just as importantly, as you mentioned, it very much plays into how the band is perceived today, how it functions and why people are so passionate about the band, too. Yes. Because Josh Homme seems to be just a really nice guy. Yeah, totally. And, and seems very collaborative oh, as totally. far as like yeah, yeah, how yeah. he wants to make music. Yeah. And I think that's almost... It seems like musicians seem to get really territorial these days about you know who they... Either they over-collaborate and yeah. their, their sound... I think it's... Sorry, let me back up. I think the thing I like about Queens of the Stone Age is that mm. their sound, while it's evolved, has it's still very much Queens of the Stone Age. Yes. I would um I would say that the evolution of Queens of the Stone Age, I don't think Queens of the Stone Age has ever made a bad album. And I don't think they were ever they will ever make a bad album. Yeah. I think that they are so consistent, but they have evolved so much to allow them to is still enjoy playing music together and um still be relevant in the rock scene yep yes all right well cool oh we did nice job daniel thanks thank you so, so let's move into uh uh cacao yes, sounds good and just learn a little bit more about how both you and i got into queens of the stone age all right do you want me to start or do you want to start um, let's have you start cause I just talked for way too long <laughs> and I'm sure everybody's okay. sick of my sultry tones. No, no, that's not um, the case, Daniel. And I'm worried that I'm just going to talk for hours and hours. So please that's, rein me in. That's why I'm here, Daniel. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so I got in, so the funny thing is, and I'll play a couple songs along the way. Um, I got into Queens of the Stone Age, or sorry, I first heard Queens of the Stone Age in high school. So gotcha. like mid 2000s. Yeah. Um, and you're going to kill me for this, but I first heard it because it was on uh, Need for Speed Underground 2. So the song... I won't kill you, Adam. <sighs> I won't kill you. I said I won't kill you. It was the song... <laughs> it was either the first... Yeah, I think it was... Uh, yeah, it was Need for Speed Underground 2. And it was the song In My Head off of Lullabies to Paralyze. Oh, Do you yeah. want to play that? Sure. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is another air drumming episode for Adam. <laughs> for both of us. Well, that's true. <laughs> so the funny thing about this song is that it was the main uh, main home screen song for Need for Speed Underground 2. Gotcha. So every time you opened up the uh, every time you opened up the game or went back to any screen, yeah. this is the first song that would oh, play. Oh shit! I would have just. <laughs> It was no, not stopped. It was kind of like the uh, like so the first Need for Speed Underground video game uh, was the the home screen music was Lil John's Get Low. Yes. Oh my so, God, I remember that. So that's that's why everyone and th- those <laughs> games were so popular. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I first how I how I think I first really recognized a song being associated with Queens of the Stone Age. It's gotcha. very possible that I heard songs beforehand. Right. Um, and then uh, one of my buddies in high school liked Queens of the Stone Age. And so I actually own Lullabies to Paralyze because of the association with not just the video game, but also with a couple of the other songs in there, like Little Sister and Burn the Witch. And we can play those here in a li- here in a little bit. But it was... That and then I met Daniel in college. And Hello, Daniel. <laughs> uh, between him and Eric Dickerson, yes. really started getting me into Queens of the Stone Age. And similar to Daniel, uh, I, I I now have all their albums. I listen to them consistently. Yeah, and I've call me a little bit cynical, but I'm always dubious whenever a new album comes out from from them or just from any band. I'm like, nah, this is not going to be. Good, but I'm I shaking think my head at Adam. <laughs> I I I love um, villains. Yeah, like I really love uh, Era Vulgaris. I love. Yeah, I'm. They, and they're different. There are definitely some weirder songs in totally. there. Totally. Um, but I look at them similar to the way I view Tool, the mm, band. Interesting. In that they've got some kind of weird intros, outros, kind of uh, um, filler songs, if you will. But then. Yeah. Then the uh, the super awesome songs are yeah totally rocking yeah they are rocking 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 <laughs> and rolling have you seen them live no I have not gotcha I really want to see them live we should see them live I think for me it's I, my appreciation for Queens of the Stone Age has grown more especially after I graduated college gotcha um, I remember so part of it is my manager at the bike shop that uh, I worked at right after college mm. the the general manager he was a huge queens of the stone age fan gotcha so like every day when he'd roll in like f- roll up in his uh either his vw jetto station wagon or his ford explorer nice. um i was like hey tony good morning he'd be like dude i was rocking out some queens of the stone age coming in <laughs> <Hell> yeah <laughs> i was like yeah oh yeah I'm tony um so in kind of discussing the passion fruitspedia and now Josh Homme has formed many bands and has kind of produced other bands. Have have has your interest in Queens of the Stone Age so there the other bands that Josh Homme is in are Eagles of Death Metal, um, where he plays drums, and them Crooked Vultures, which only have one album, unfortunately. Yep. God, I hope they make another. But um has your because that's kind of what happened to me was my interest in Queens of the Stone Age got me introduced to Caius and Eagles of Death Metal and them Crooked Vultures. Did that happen to you, Adam? Um, so them Crooked Vultures and yes, Eagles of Death Metal to a certain extent. I am not the biggest fan of Caius. 
Um, I was listening to their albums um, <laughs> per your request, and right. also because I knew kind of their their backstory a little bit. Yeah, I can't get into them. Really? Yeah, you don't like that kind of uh, drone, not droning, but constant drive of riffage. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Interesting. Well. So. Adam is dead to us, but <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> but I, I find that interesting because I do like, um, I mean, I like metal bands that are incredibly generic, but. Are you saying? No, that? no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I realized what I just said as soon as I said it. I was like, oh, that's going to come back to kick me in the ass. I, I did a spit take. I was like, what did you just say? No, I, I th- uh, no, that word, Don't, we, that word won't use it. Monochromatic. There, uh, um, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That's kind of the characteristic of stoner rock, desert rock is that not generic, but that droning kind of riffage of, um, kind of like black Sabbath esque, I can see um, that. I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. Um, yeah. But okay, you're an idiot. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Cool. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to say in the Coco Corner? No. Because <laughs> I'm champing at the bit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So like, so Daniel, <laughs> let's hop into kind of how you got into how you got into Kotza. <laughs> Katza. Katza, uh, which is Queens of the Stone Age, abbreviated into an acronym. You're welcome, <laughs> listeners, all 12 billion of you. <laughs> Jesus. We have so many listeners, Daniel. <laughs> oh, Christ. Here we go. That we again. have been broadcasting this out to space, and <laughs> there are beings on Alpha Centauri that listen Ooh, to us. Ooh, uh, yeah. back to the. Civilization episode. Yep. Meet more. Meet more. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's uh, hop on this train and I'll start talking for a long, long, long time. Strap in, <laughs> listeners. Strap it on. So, yeah. So, so where did, um, where did you first hear Queens of the Stone Age? Okay. And recognize them as a band. <laughs> like, w- w- like I had my eyes closed for my first maybe 12, 13 years of existence. And then when I heard the song No One oh, Knows brother. by Queens of the Stone Age, I recognized that they were a band. That explains a Woo! lot. <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> anyway, um, so I remember the summer, the year that um, Songs for the Deaf came out. The album that has No One Knows and Go With The Flow. And again, the song No One Knows was everywhere. Yes. Saw it on MTV when they were still playing music videos and um, heard it everywhere on the radio, just listening to rock, rock music. Um, The biggest issue for me getting the album was it was a parental advisory album. Oh, no. I know. There's one song where they say the F word like six or seven times. Oh, man. But you're only limited to one F word per parental advisory album. uh, (laughs) Yep. Um but so, haha, me being this little scamp that I am, uh, a friend burned a copy of it. I just tousled uh, yeah. Daniel's hair. <laughs> More queens of the Stone Age, please. <laughs> um, a friend burned Songs for the Deaf for me. You burned a CD? Um, you illegally? You wouldn't illegally, but, you but wouldn't I, burn a car, would you, Daniel? 
but that, then I bought it. <laughs> so technically I can burn it. That's how the law works. <laughs> um, anyway, Adam, <laughs> stupid jokes get in the way of my stories. Um, so I got the album and I, so I also remember downloading no one knows Whoa, you burnt a city and you downloaded? Yeah. Daniel, you wouldn't download a car, would you? I don't have a 3D printer, so uh. no. Um, so yes, I remember downloading No One Knows and it being a weird version, an earlier version that had like violins rather than the guitar solo. Um, oh, this takes me back to our Dave Matthews episode. <laughs> pour one out for the Dave Matthews band episode um, but after I got songs for the deaf I I just listened to it nonstop. again it was a, I think I've talked about some of the albums that I've listened to nonstop that have gotten like scratches in them because of how much I listened to it yeah Metallica's Black Album and Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf um, and I really just I, I didn't really dive further into Queens of the Stone Age or Caius or anything like that. Songs for the Deaf was just like enough for me, and I listened to it constantly. Th- so then that came out in 2001. Um, I remember listening to it, you know, in high school a lot. Then in 2005, um, Lullabies to Paralyze came out. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying that album, except it gets weird in the middle. Uh, Someone's in the Wolf. Or something in the wolf. Um, someone's in the wolf. Excuse me, true fans. Um, that kind of freaked me out. Lullabies to Paralyze. It got too weird for me in the middle, even though it gets less weird towards the end. But I remember listening to that album, the first six or seven songs, um, for you know almost as consistently as Songs for the Deaf. I would kind of go back to Songs for the Deaf more often than not. And then Era Vulgaris came out in 2007. So this is kind of the high school Daniel era when I was really listening to Metallica a lot. Um, Blink-182, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, I also, in our music band episodes, Adam, I keep forgetting that I really listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers a shit ton. Like, I listened to that album Stadium Arcadium a lot. Yeah. So I want to make sure people know that I wasn't just listening to Green Day. (laughs) Anyway. No, I listened to Stadium Arcade a lot too. So Lullabies to Paralyze, enjoyed it. Era Vulgaris, very good album, but again, would kind of listen to first five or six songs and then it would just get too weird for me i wasn't evolved and developed enough for it okay so i'm i hadn't probably... developed enough as a woman <laughs> to uh enjoy air vulgaris oh, <laughs> i am probably in the unevolved stage of i i, I like the first half of the queens and senate albums and when they get really out there i'm like mm. nope <laughs> interesting um well, yeah, we, we'll, we'll discuss that when we go through our playlist, because I don't know if I put too many of the weirder songs on our the playlist. You, but, you did not, actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I did notice that you, like, in the outline here, you say, kind of, you, you put Air Vulgaris and Rated R. So, like, Rated R came out before uh, Songs for the Deaf, right. right? So, that was kind of my, Songs for the Deaf was my starting point, and I didn't go back to uh, Rated R or their first self-titled album until college um so 
rated R also gets a little too weird or got a little too weird for me in when I started listening to it in college. Um, and when I wanted to listen to Queens of the Stone Age, I would go to Songs for the Deaf or Them Crooked Vultures when I wanted to just listen to Josh Homme's stuff. Sure. But college was when I really fell in love with Queens, fell in love with Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and when it kind of opened me up to becoming super duper passionate about their music. (laughs) Um, I saw the live action version of Aladdin the other month. Oh, how was it? Pretty bad. Yay. (laughs) Let's keep doing it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, in college, that was when I really, um, cause I think as you remember Adam from the Dave Matthews band episode and going to college with me, I'm a music major. <laughs> um, oh, wow. <laughs> the, uh, the absolute authority on all music. Yeah. So the music uh, so, major. So I have authority in saying that Dave Matthews is shitty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're a music major at William Mary, clearly. <laughs> uh, right below Juilliard. <laughs> anyway, um, so in college was when I was creating and making music all the time. And my influences were ranging from Red Hot Chili Peppers and Queens of the Stone Age. Um, forming a band in college was... and spending time with our good friend Eric Dickerson, who is a massive Queens of the Stone Age fan and a massive Josh Homme fan. He really introduced me to Queens of the Stone Age, Them Crooked Vultures, Eagles of Death Metal, Caius, all due to Eric. Gotcha. So thank you, Eric. Um, and learning... It helps that Eric bears a striking resemblance to Josh Homme. I know, a sexy, sexy, <laughs> striking resemblance. I hope Eric listens to our podcast. And I think his mom listens to our podcast. So. Oh, good! <laughs> Hi, Ms. Uh, Dickerson. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rosef, to Sorry, you, Sorry, Dr. Rosef. <laughs> yeah, idiot. Um, so, yeah, so... Oh, gosh. Really got into Queens of the Stone Age in college, and formed my kind of musical identity in college with Queens of the Stone Age, learning some of their songs, wanting to play guitar like Josh Homme. Um, And then, you know, I was in college, I was kind of more into, I was very much into Queens of the Stone Age, but I was more into like them Crooked Vultures because that was more recent. Queens of the Stone Age hadn't released anything since 2007, since Era Vulgaris. Yeah. So, you know, we graduated in 2011. It was kind of a dearth of Queens of the Stone Age stuff. So focusing more on recent stuff and discovering Eagles of Death Metal and Caius. Um, but then in when I got to law school was when I when I listened to Queens of the Stone Age nonstop. Um, and I, I was thinking about it earlier, Adam. I want to... And maybe we can put, we'll put this in why I heart Queens of the Stone Age. But sure. law school was when I really got into Queens of the Stone Age and didn't listen to them, there's, didn't listen to anything but them. There's a trend for you, Daniel. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Missing a lot of things that we've talked about. Law school is when you started having inter- deep interest in a lot of things. Mountain biking, comic books, Queens of the Stone Age. So, um, is it, was law school that bad? <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> you had to distract yourself at all, at all means, po- yes. from, by all means possible. <laughs> but so Queens of the Stone Age, um, it was almost like a connection to 
the very good friendships I made in college and my not desire to be back in that time, but it was a connection that made me feel comfortable being alone with different people in an entirely new city and state and really discovering myself as a man and as a person. (laughs) And (laughs) I know you're joking, Adam. Nope. You're laughing. You jerk. (laughs) Um, But I'll, you know, that was really when I became the man that I am today. Gotcha. So... Thank you. Thank you, Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> Thank you, Queens of the Stone Age. Anyway. I remember asking Daniel oh, what he had done. Because it was it was after you had literally followed Queens of the Stone Age around. Yeah, we'll to get like into four that. Different, oh, we can talk four or five about different that. concerts. Yeah. So. What were we going to... Oh. And I was like, whoa, you really like Queens of the Stone Age now, don't yeah. you? Yeah. So, um, Light Clockwork came in, out in 2013, the summer of 2013. And that was... I was so thankful that a... Queens of the Stone Age album, a new Queens of the Stone Age album had come out and was phenomenal. And I remember driving to my internship and just listening to it on the way, listening to it on the way back, listening to it on the way, listening to it on the way back, and listening to nothing else that summer. And that summer they toured in North Carolina a little bit. They played in Charlotte. I saw them there. And then they played in Asheville the next day. I saw them there. And then they played in Richmond a month later, and I saw them there. (laughs) And then they played in Raleigh a couple months later. So, yeah, I saw them like four times in four, four, four or six months. I think where they were in Raleigh. I forget the name. Was it in downtown Raleigh? It was in downtown Raleigh. So it was like at the Duke Performing Arts Center or something like that? Not Duke. Not Duke. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, Duke Energy Hall. Maybe it. that's it. Yeah. This is really interesting. Yeah. Let's get our Google Maps so all of our listeners can <laughs> right, see everybody, what we're shut up. About. <laughs> we're going to try this out. Um, but so my passion for like the album Like Clockwork really helped me rediscover the older album, some of the older Kaya stuff, and really kind of kept my interest going for um, Queen of the Stone Age and their album Villains, very similar, kind of listened to it nonstop. Nice. Anyway, whew, let's take a little break, Adam. Un break. I'm really sweaty. <laughs> um, just so fucking pumped, man. Um, yeah, so we'll take a break. Uh, Come back get into some of the songs. Uh, yeah. For the death. Uh, bye. All right, listeners. Jumping back in here. <laughs> Hello, here we are. Welcome back to Passion Fruits Podcast. Hope you enjoyed your little piss break. <laughs> wow. Do you think our listeners take a break when we take a break? Without a doubt. I don't. Please don't take a break. <laughs> Just like Ross and Rachel. They, <laughs> uh, they were on a break. <laughs> yes, I know, Daniel. It's the only joke. It's between that, what? <laughs> it's between that and pivot that anyone ever says about that show. Well, pivot? What is that? Pivot. The couch scene when they're when Ross and oh. Chandler are trying to pull the couch and, yeah. and uh, pivot and Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your sign. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's hop into the playlist. Um, let's play some music. Rock music. 
so from a music band. Yeah. So I, what Daniel and I were discussing before we hopped into this little segment. Sorry, is, listeners. We had paused the recording so you couldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> secret <laughs> secret discussion. <laughs> sure, everyone's going to appreciate that over their headphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Daniel had a very purposeful, built the playlist in a very purposeful way. Yes. And I to, specifically told Adam not to shuffle. Yes. And therefore, like, we, we were going to try to adhere to the. Unless he was doing the Kansas City shuffle, which I would appreciate. (laughs) Because I would love to see that. One day we'll have an Instagram story of Adam doing the Kansas City shuffle. Yes, look forward to that, listeners. What were you saying, Adam? Um, But we're going going to go through the playlist. I wouldn't say not song by song because that would take five hours. Um, actually more like six and a half because I think I timed it out. Um, what? I think it's only three hours and 44 minutes. Please. Oh yeah, three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> I looked at it after you <laughs> said it only had a uh, playlist with only 50 songs and then I thought you have a lot of long drives ahead of you so you could easily listen to it. So, so we're going to try and keep to the linearity of the playlist. Um, yes. Oh, and, so and, and can talk, I and talk uh, about the story that Daniel went to weave? Yeah. So I'll explain it a little bit. Give the overarching idea. Um, I kind of wanted you to go through my and the Coco Corner kind of delved into it a little bit, but kind of my journey with Queens of the Stone Age, not starting with their first album, but starting with Songs for the Deaf and going from there. So it goes through kind of like my high school times with lullabies to paralyze and era vulgaris and then getting into college stuff when i was getting into more of the weirder stuff with them crooked vultures and I mean, it, it was college and, you've got plenty of time to experiment smoke that doobie 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 <laughs> and yeah experiment adam and i experimented oh, a no. lot oh, we no. had a lab together <laughs> a labrador retriever <laughs> and we experiment we tried to make it talk um those were our experiments <laughs> And that's why Daniel Daniel and I are neither of us are veterinarians or yes. or animal trainers. or scientists. Anyway, so yes, there was so kind of trying to give you a. I was trying to be very purposeful with my playlist. Again, for I, once, yes. As I've stated with our other music band episodes, I am not a playlist person. I'm an album person. Listen to me, Adam. Do you not believe me that I'm an album person? And that is indicative of this place because it's essentially just all of Queen's albums. <laughs> no, shut up. In a different order than when they came out. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's have you play some music. What song would you like to play first? So I, I want to start off with the uh, so with you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I. I'm a millionaire, feel but, like a millionaire. I can't remember the whole title of the song. <laughs> the old title is, You Think I Ain't Worth a Dollar, But I Feel Like a Millionaire. Yes. And it w- the first part of that song we played as the intro to this episode, but I would like to play basically where they get into the, um, like, like the riff part, yeah. essentially. Um, so what happened the first time you heard this song, Adam? So I was in the car with you and Eric, I think, oh, actually. Yeah? yeah, when I heard this. Because I, I, I usually skip... No, I, not usually. I shouldn't say that, but I don't. I when I hear this kind of intro, yeah. I skip it because gotcha. I hadn't. I don't think I'd actually heard the actual song part of the song because it's like this really weird vocal intro. Kind well, of thing. and so do you actually know that the first 
the actual first song is called The Real Song for the Deaf. Yeah. Which on the CD, if you rewound the first song, would go to this like negative minute and a half song. So it's this weird kind of electronic thing. Well, let's listen to the intro here. So this rocks fucking face off. I know. So that's why when I first heard it, I was like, holy crap, how have I not heard this song before? Because yeah. it's it is I still think this is one of the best intros to an album I've period I've totally. heard in a long, long, long time. Totally. Um So what's yeah. interesting about this album, Adam, and with the car noises and the radio noises that we first heard at the beginning, it's kind of a concept album. Songs for the Deaf is a concept album. It goes from downtown LA or LA to Palm Desert, California to their studio. So fans actually drive the route from LA to the studio listening to this album, and it's supposed to be the journey on the road to that studio. So there are interstitial radio stations and um like when you're out into the supposedly when you're out into the country is when you hear the christian radio station and that's when god is in the radio plays gotcha so i have learned and memorized all of the radio interstitial parts because i've listened to this album so much like (laughs) clone radio um they there's one radio station that plays all death metal all the time all the time nice <laughs> um so yeah anyway what were you going to say no i so i when you made the playlist i was so happy to see the song first yeah. cuz i think this is a perfect intro to the playlist so and actually i agree with you that it is a perfect intro to the playlist and a perfect intro to an album and I think Queens of the Stone Age does a very good job of album intros. Yes, and they like do. The first four songs on an album are that they do is really, really good. The bangers, man. The bangers. Oh, <laughs> I could not understand what you said. <laughs> um, but of course, this is their bass player, Nick Oliveri, Vieri, um, who is no longer the bass player anymore, uh, but he was the bass player for Rated R, Songs for the Deaf. And that's it. He got kicked out of the band um, after Songs for the Deaf, but he is singing on, or screaming on this album or on this song. Uh, okay. um, and so it's Josh Homme, Nick Olivieri, and Mark Lanigan um, singing most of the songs on this album. Gotcha. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Very uh, cool. <laughs> Very interesting. Yes. Movie interesting. Mascot dog Eddie has fallen asleep. <laughs> In fairness, he falls asleep in every episode that we record. Yay. I don't know if that's a good song. Good he, fell, or bad. he fell asleep very quickly during the Dave Matthews Band episode. No. <laughs> Take that. No, because he was not at the I Dave know. Matthews Band recording. Pop, Poppy. L- lawyer. <laughs> Poppy, the other mascot dog, was, fell asleep quicker. Anyway, um, so yeah, that song 
fucking amazing. Gets me pumped up every single fucking time. God, yes. God, yes. <laughs> anyway. Okay. What, what song would you like to play um, next? So I, we, we went through No One Knows uh, as far as like the, the song. We don't necessarily have to play that again. But yeah, once again, one of my favorite songs. Um, the other four songs you have on the on the place i can i like all four of them um i probably listen to go with the flow the most yeah um but do you have any other comments on those four songs that really stand out to you sure i would like to talk about the song god is in the radio okay you want to play just a little bit of that yeah i'll play it So, this song is, the album has kind of a evolution from kind of more mainstream songs to weirder songs. Yep. And this song has like such a halting shuffle to it. Yeah. That really just, and the guitar part, they go, it, the guitar solo just goes crazy. And I, I have not seen them play it live. I would love to, because I can only imagine like just how crazy it would get. Um, but it is just a song that really like hit me in the gut and was really just a song like the type of guitar playing that I like to play is kind of loosey goosey blues. Yeah. And I would call that loosey goosey blues. Okay. So yeah, I can see that. That's kind of just like, I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, how do I learn to play that? And when songs for the deaf came out was when I was really starting to play guitar. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, I, I know this point in the album because it's definitely where the album gets a little bit weirder. And that's yeah. right. And honestly, that's where I start to tune out just a little bit. Oh, Adam. I know. Daniel's rolled his eyes at me multiple oh, times. Oh, I'm just, I'm about to cry. <laughs> um, what, it, what is a, about, what is it about the weird songs that kind of get you? Um, I mean, that's an excellent question. One I don't know exactly how to answer. I'm, without a doubt, a little more of kind of a mainstream type person. I've always said that about you. Yeah. You're always about the mainstream. Yep, yep. <laughs> Just listening to the man. Yeah. <laughs> Taking whatever the man gives me to shove down my ear holes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like very corporate music. In yeah. sync and uh, Backstreet Boys specifically. And Nickelback. <laughs> and Nickelback, yes. Um, no, that's... Uh, I, I, I like songs that are catchy. Gotcha. So... And that's true for any of the songs, like any of the genres of music I listen to, whether it be classical music or, um, you know, death metal, country, or country, yeah, gotcha. yeah, bluegrass. I, um, and I think that's that's indicative even of like I had like when I was a, a wonderful band geek back in high school. Nice. I, I really liked Vivaldi's Four Seasons because nice. they're I think they're really catchy it's classical beautiful. songs, and and my my 
the musicians in my high school band that were a lot better music musicians than I was. They were like, Oh, Vivaldi, that's just like such, you know, living room classical music. But like, this is not, I'm like, shut up. I like to listen to it. Well, they can go suck an egg. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call them up right now. <laughs> yeah. Screw you guys. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that it's, I think that's it. Like I like catchy songs. I like good riffs. I like good hooks. Gotcha. Um, and it's, so, it's the same thing where I, where I have an interesting relationship with hip hop because I like really catchy hip hop, hip hop songs, but I hate really poppy hip hop songs. Does mm, that make sense? A, yeah, it does. And that's a, that's a fine yeah. line to tread because that's, that can, you can go one way and you can go another. Yes, absolutely. Um, flip flop, flip flop. <laughs> snip, 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 snip. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Shit. Okay. So when, so I know I've said it 50 million fucking times, but I'm an album guy. Yeah. And so when you get to a weirder point of the album, what do you do? I change albums. You change albums. Interesting. Usually I'm in the mood for Queens of the Stone Age, and so I'll just go through the albums and I'll go through the songs I like. Gotcha. Uh, like I can't I, believe you do that. I, and I, I don't know how you do that. what is in this brain of yours i i like i really don't get it because i love the sequential songs especially like on this album where it's kind of a loosely a concept album i don't know how you do that adam i'm a special person (laughs) well you are a very special guy but Revelations. <laughs> the end time is here. <laughs> Everybody, grab your Bible, start thumping it. Because that was the song God is in the radio. There we go. Nice. Thank Way you. to bring it back. Way Thank to bring you. it back. I try. What song would you like to talk about next? So as we move on to the album Lullabies to Paralyze. Yes. So Lullabies to Paralyze is still one of my favorite Queens of the Stone Age albums. It's so, actually one of the albums that I can listen to all the way through and be like, oh yeah, cool. Gotcha. Um, but, Do you say that when you're listening to it? You get yeah. to the end, you're uh, like, sweet. oh yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> when I give myself a little check mark and a 100% sticker. <laughs> I'm wondering where that wall of stickers came from. You've listened to that album a lot. I know. Um, so the song, like all the songs that you have on here from Lullabies to Paralyze, there are five, Tangled Up in Plaid, Burn the Witch, In My Head, Little Sister, and I Never Came. We already played In My Head. Um, I really like Burn the Witch, Little Sister, and I Never Came. Mm-hmm. Um, let's play Little Sister. Okay. I think it, I, I would say that that's a, a little bit more ethereal. Yeah. And well, um, and this was one of the singles um, yeah. from that yeah. era. So, yeah. So when this album came out, Queens of the Stone Age played on SNL, and Will Ferrell came out as his Blue Oyster Cult That's character right. and played the cowbell yes, for the song. Yes, I remember that, actually. Very funny. Amazing. <laughs> SNL, <laughs> what won't you do next? <laughs> and then, so I... I, I that I, is an again, awesome song. Yeah. Off yeah. song, very catchy. Um, let's play I Never Came, because I think that's one that I really, really like. Totally. And... Arguably, I don't know how popular that was relative to the rest of the songs. I don't think it was that popular. Um, This is another one of my favorite songs on the album, though, because I love the simple. It's very um, emotional, introspective. Um, Let's let's take a listen. Well, you say. 
So I remember when Lullabies to Paralyze came out and listening to the album and getting to this song, knowing Queens of the Stone Age just as the Songs for the Deaf yeah. band. Um, this is such a departure almost from Songs for the Deaf because there's no true song like this on Songs for the Deaf. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's it's like catchy-ish, but it's also... Yeah, it, it, you, what you said before is a lot more introspective and yeah. a little bit like softer around yeah, the edges. Yeah, totally. You know. And it's kind of a it's a clear evolution of Josh Homme's songwriting. He doesn't always have to write about drugs and sex and just getting sexy drugs all over you. <laughs> you can write more about relationships and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that that like once again, Lullabies Paralyzed was. One of my favorite album is one of my favorite albums. Yeah, present, present tense, not past. Sorry, Adam's not a ghost. <laughs> so, Ooh. oh god. Um, but it definitely because I owned it and because it was just such a formative part of my initial Queens of the Stone Age listening. That like I just like the whole album. Yeah. So. Oh, it's a great album. Um, and yeah, you know, gets to a weird place with someone's in the wolf, but kind of comes back around towards the end with um so the, it's interesting you put in uh two bands both associated with josh homme yes. after lullabies paralyzed so them crooked vultures and eagles of death metal yeah um, um so I, me l- I like the entire them crooked vultures album so play i'd say you know one or two songs from there that you really want to talk about because i like the whole album and for those who are unfamiliar, if we did not go through it in Passion Fruitspedia, them Crooked Vultures is made up of Josh Homme, uh, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters on the drums, and John Paul... John Paul Jones. Yeah, John Paul Jones. From Led Zeppelin on bass yeah. and keyboards and everything. That That is like the super group, and I really wish they would just come out with another album because, God, it would be so good. I am so disappointed in myself that I didn't go see them live when they played in Asheville, our friend Eric saw them. And That's I'm right. So jealous of them. Yeah. I would imagine they would just play through the album, and I would yeah. go fucking crazy. Anyway, um, so let's play some of them, Crooked Vultures. Sure. So I know that I talked about kind of my history with um, Queens of the Stone Age and kind of my journey with Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and sharp-eared listeners may realize that them crooked vultures came out after when I was in college, when I was really getting into the Queens of the stone age, but I wanted to kind of give you kind of cleanse the palate a little bit rather than just giving you straight <laughs> Queens of the stone age albums for you to listen to. On the playlist. <laughs> them crooked vultures is the sorbet. Of yes. Queens of the stone yes, age. exactly. Um, so yeah, let me play a song from that. This is Bandoliers. Yeah, correct? sorry. Yeah. This is Bandoliers, um, kind of in the middle of the Them Crooked Vultures album. Yeah. Kind of another interest, very similar to I Never Came, more introspective. This, this is a nice sorbet on the sorbet album. <laughs> oh, nice. shit. Nice. Got that sorbet inception, yo. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I would say that Them Crooked Vultures shares, of course, some similarities with Queens of the Stone Age because there's no way not to, especially when it has Josh Homme 
and Dave Grohl drumming. Who's e Dave Grohl. <laughs> that's the Spanish <laughs> counterpart of Dave Grohl. Um, but like that song, and then the album gets so much weirder, like with um, Spinning in Daffodils, mm-hmm. Gunman, uh, Caligula. It gets that with some of the Queens of Stone Age album, especially well, Ear Vulgaris. Oh boy, here we go, Adam. All right, so I, so that's uh, we'll, we'll preface. This. I am I have attempted to listen to Air Vulgaris many times. It's just hard for me to get through multiple songs in that album. Um, so Air Vulgaris is kind of different. So Lullabies to Paralyze. Let's start there. Okay, let's break it. Lullabies down. to Paralyze. That's um. Uh, they got the name for Lullabies to Paralyze from the bonus track off Songs for the Deaf, Mosquito Song. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Adam. I'm Fun so fact. Sorry. Adam, do you still want to do this podcast with me? Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, Don't apologize to me. Apologize but, to our listeners. Listeners, I'm not sorry. You should know that. But so Lullabies to Paralyze gets weird in the middle, goes back to kind of being more traditional, yep. mainstream Queens of the Stone Age. Era Vulgaris starts kind of um, mainstream Queens of the Stone Age, gets weird, gets a little mainstream traditional, then just gets weird again. And then... I think the album's just weird, but that's just me. Well, so. it is a yeah. you know, it's, it was a very good album, but it is a weird weirder album. But then Them Crooked Vultures, it went Era Vulgaris, and then in 2010, Era Vulgaris came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. 2010 was when Them Crooked Vultures came out. That's right. So Them Crooked Vultures went from kind of riff, blues-focused rock, the album, for the first maybe five or six songs, and then it just gets weird. And it's so good. And I, it's weird. What were you going to say? I would say play Caligula, because I like that song, but it is definitely on the otter side. Otter just like an animal otter. <laughs> I was going to make that. Uh, yeah. John Paul Jones on the keyboard, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, album kind of ends with some weirder stuff. So I kind of find it interesting that you really like this album and can get through the entire album but have trouble getting through era vulgaris I, I think it's 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 weird but at the same time we're gonna re overuse that word but it's <laughs> weird in a different way like i don't i for yeah i can't explain gotcha. this, this crazy mind maybe it's the combination of the songwriting from dave grohl and john paul jones yeah. that makes it weirder in a different way that is more palatable to you sure yeah yeah let's call it that i mean dave is a pretty uh i wouldn't say he's a overly talented songwriter interesting i think he writes some amazing songs and some some amazing riffs gotcha but he's not i wouldn't say he's he is like breaking down I'm not breaking down barriers, but I wouldn't say he's like pushing the envelope as far as, as far as songwriting. You wouldn't say that. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've talked about Foo Fighters, how they are a rock period band. Yes. Period. Period. 
period. And we'll have to do a Foo Fighters. <laughs> we will. Uh, um, anyway, so yes. Them crooked vultures. I wanted to give you that palate cleanser. If, if we do a Foo Fighters uh, episode, it'll just be Bogarter by More Queens of the Stone Age from yeah. Daniel. Like, Listen to this. Uh, you remember when Dave Grohl played for Queens of the Stone Age and Them Crooked Vultures? It's amazing. Um, so, Them Crooked Vultures. I got into them in college. Um, then let's listen to the other band that I really, other Josh Homme band that I really got into in college, Eagles of Death Metal, if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll play, let's play one song. Play Kiss the Devil. Okay. So this is Josh Homme on guitar. Oh, fuck. Drums. Damn it. On drums, Adam. On drums. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, so this is Josh Homme on drums. And fuck, I'm forgetting the guitar player and singer's name. That's okay. Um, but for that album, so that's Eagles of Death Metal, um, Kiss the Devil is the song. The album, Peace, Love, Death Metal. The guitar player, Frontman tuned his guitar to G so he could play chords more easily uh-huh. because he had learned to play guitar like two weeks before recording the album. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and it's a really, really good album and really kind of loosey, goosey blues, man. Yeah. What would you like to talk about? No, I, 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 I enjoy Eagles Death Metal. I think there's only... They're not my favorite band, yeah. but I, I... Once again, it's more of like knowing the genesis of the band and how it came to be. Yeah. And they're, they're very talented musicians. I yeah. think that's oh, the totally. thing. It's like, they're very talented musicians and I can appreciate that. The, the, their sound is not my favorite. Gotcha. But it's and just it, not my preference at least. It is a very, compared to Queens of the Stone Age, it's wildly different. Yes. It's more of like a, kind of a weird blues dance kind of music. Yeah. In their yeah. later albums, they get a little more polished. Their first album is like I think it was just drums and guitar and that's it. I mean, it sounds it sounds like uh, kind of a cl- I wouldn't like to a certain extent punk influence, um, but yeah, blues, but like kids in a basement. Yeah, playing. totally. Yeah. Like a garage yeah. garage band. Um, the program from Macintosh Apple. Are they still called Macintosh? No, I think that's the um, just computer. Apple. Yeah, yeah, and well, it's not Macintosh. It's just Mac. Shoot me in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank God we're an Android family, Adam. Thank yeah. God we're an Android family. Anyway, so if you're interested in listening to Eagles of Death Metal listeners, I would suggest the album Peace, Love, and Death Metal. Yep. Um, let's keep going down the playlist. So I Rated R is another one. I, all right, I'm going to say this, but I really like the Rated R album. Yeah. Um, I love the first three songs that you have listening here. Lost Art of Keeping a Secret, uh-huh. Feel Good Hit of the Summer, and Better Living Through Chemistry. Yes. Um, I I would, you know, I'd say we play a little snippet from all three of them, in my opinion. All right, shit, me. let's do it, yeah, bro. Let's, let's rock let's, and roll. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll go through, I'll go through by the album listing. Okay. Rather than the order that I have. Yep, in. that's fine. Yeah, 
once again and that's the song right there <laughs> yeah it really is it's like a great intro song yeah. some really fun kind of guitar licks during the middle and the end but yeah it, it, i think it's i think it's it's funny almost yeah so this album is rated r um re-released and remastered for the 10-year anniversary called rated x um when they added a bunch of songs not remastered really but re-released um but rated r and that song feel good hit of the summer supposedly those are all the drugs they took while recording this album this is like their fucking drug album and that's the concept yeah. we were taking fucking drugs on this album and we were taking a lot of them <laughs> not us adam and i are not drug takers we are drug makers so whoa <laughs> stop by your local pharmacy <laughs> i've got my own brand of tylenol um danlinol <laughs> i like that tm 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 um so yeah that is a they are sugar pills <laughs> they, do, they do nothing they're actually you. just sugar cubes i don't even change them <laughs> perfect for your tea um yeah. so yeah that song is a great way to kick off rated r yep. and kind of sets the scene for the whole album so let's go to the lost art of keeping a secret because it's a it's a very interesting tone change from feel good head of the summer to lost art of the the lost art of keeping a secret. Boy, the amount of air drumming and air guitar in this room is disgusting. Uh, it's a good thing we don't put this on YouTube. Yeah. People would be really, really annoyed with us. Yeah. Um, yes, another amazing song. What kind of gets you with this song, Adam? It's just very groovy. Yeah. Very, very groovy. Groovetastic, bro. Yeah, groovetastic. Nice. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't pinpoint it exactly. I just really like the song. This is a song that my college band played that I really enjoyed playing. What was the <laughs> name of that college I band? I thought you Daniel? would never ask, Adam. <laughs> uh, the name of my college band was Kiss the Devil, named after the Eagles of Death Metal song Kiss the Devil. Yes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, brother. And they were actually very good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on. I think I have one of our songs. Oh. On. <laughs> <laughs> this just turns into a big ad for Eagles of Death or for Kiss the Devil. <laughs> now defunct Kiss the Devil, unfortunately. No, just on, on, on hiatus. <laughs> we're just like Tool. We have as big of a fan base as Tool. <laughs> We immediately go platinum when we release an album. Darn right. <laughs> um, so then let's listen to Better Living Through Chemistry yes. off the same album, Rated R. So this kind of has that droning quality from like that you would see in God is in the radio. Yeah. That kind of loosey bluesy. It's uh it's a um uh, what's the what's the word? Vocabulary. Um it's kind of it's a little bit of an eerie. Song. Oh totally. Like it's just like 
Josh yeah. Homme has like a very, there's a lot of reverb on his voice, and we can listen to his vocals. Kind of like soaring vocals, a lot of reverb, yeah. definitely more, and with the percussion in the background, it's more of a um, primitive kind of song. It's very, very good. Yes. <sighs> All right. <laughs> We can do this. <laughs> what? Um, so I know that you're not a big Era Vulgaris fan. Right. Can I make a case for Era Vulgaris by I, playing a couple songs? So I'd say so for the next two albums, Era Vulgaris and the self-titled album, because yeah. I had not listened to the self-titled album much, if at all. Oh, my Jesus. Um, so I would say make a case for both of the albums. Because I, I, <laughs> I didn't, like, honestly, I, when I was listening to this, section of the playlist i was usually in the middle of a long drive and i just like couldn't take notes about what songs i liked and what songs i didn't you should like. pull over and take notes yes. when you're doing in the, in the middle podcast. of west virginia you're like boy what you doing around here i'm like i'm just <laughs> taking <laughs> notes <laughs> <on my." laughs> is that queens of the stone age i love him um sure all right so i will play some songs from era vulgaris and the self-titled album to make a case for them i'll play two songs from era vulgaris First song is going to be Misfit Love. Okay. So I wanted to discuss it in the Why I Heart Queens of the Stone Age section. Sure. But I will discuss it here. I think Queens of the Stone Age is a sexy band. They make sexy, sexy, sexy music. Okay. And I think this is a sexy song. And I think the next song I'm going to play for you is also a sexy song. Okay. When you're listening to this song, if you're not shaking your ass and just like wanting to groove up on somebody and grind up on somebody, then you are not listening to this song. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And we haven't even gotten to the lyrics yet. We haven't even gotten to the vocals yet, Adam. Such a good intro. (laughs) Daniel is staring so (laughs) intensely at me right now. (laughs) I'm a little bit scared. (laughs) Adam doesn't like this album that much because it's a great album. All right. Let's then listen. I did. I I appreciated that song. Okay. Like, and did it make you want to just grind up on somebody? (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) I was. When I was saying that, I was just like opening myself to Adam. <laughs> hey, you want to grind up on this? <laughs> anyway, um, well, I'm glad you appreciated the song. Adam. <laughs> I think I just need to take more more listens, obviously, yes. but more intentional listens. Yeah. So this, I mean, okay. Uh, all kidding aside, this was an album that had to grow on me. It was a grower, not a shower. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I w- I agree that it is um and what i had was when i bought it on itunes i had the limited edition which added an extra song which ends the album perfectly um i think the non-limited edition or deluxe edition or whatever it is they and actually what happened with this album was they lost a bunch of recordings in a studio fire Um, so the album had to come out and there was a couple of songs that they had or weren't able to put on there because the files had been lost. There's a great song called the fun machine took a shit and died. 
that's supposed to be on this album, <laughs> but got released as a B side. And it is, well, it is weird. It is a, whoa, such a good song. Um, anyway, let's play another song from Era Vulgaris and t- to get that kind of sexiness coming back. Okay. my drive i was grooving to this song this is a groove-tastic song adam and it's called make it with you and it's all about making it with somebody (laughs) Um, (laughs) why what could they imply by that (laughs) so this is actually a song that they wrote during a desert sessions album um and they made it into a queens of the stone age song and he they often play it live and josh homie at the very beginning will say we're about to play this song. I hope you find somebody tonight that you can just go home and have sex with. <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's like, yes, Josh Homme, we know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> and then you look around and you're surrounded by sweaty dudes and you're like, oh God, <laughs> no. Um, but so, yeah, this is just a very basic groovy song about fucking and making love <laughs> to that special oh, someone. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Or making plans to make love. <laughs> and then executing on those plans. Anyway. Oh, good. Follow through. That's what we really need. <laughs> uh, yes. So I would suggest listening to this album more because it is a very, very good album. Um, and again, has more weirder songs than maybe you're used to. Let me go. We'll keep going quickly through because I know everybody is awake at this rapture yes. by this i'll play i'll just play one song from the okay um first album i'm gonna play mexicola from the first album yep uh can i play two songs i said one but one <laughs> all right i'm gonna play regular john first it is the first song on queens of the stone age first album self-titled queen of the stone age and josh homme says this is the best song that he's ever written oh, okay So the interesting thing I find about this song, and I, I remember actually stopping the playlist and looking at where I was in the playlist yeah. when I got to this album and then the songs afterwards by by Caius. Yeah. Because you can definitely tell the influence, the Caius influence oh, in totally. this album. Yes. So yeah, this is, and reading reviews from when this album came out and actually when it was re-released, um, uh, when it was like the 15th year anniversary or something of this yeah. album, they re-released it on vinyl and stuff like that because it had disappeared. Um, people re-reviewed it and they were like, you can clearly see the evolution. I mean, obviously, but it is very Caius influence. Yeah. Um, but you can hear how Josh Homme wanted Queens of the Stone Age to go in other songs of that album. Yes. And yeah. so I know that I'm trying to stick to an arc with this playlist. This was in college time for me when I was really getting more and more into 
Queens of the Stone Age and after college and law school when it was just like wanting to make that connection again to a younger me with Queens of the Stone Age and when you know, I was just at a concert and just or surrounded by sweaty dudes and was just wanting to make out with somebody and grind <laughs> ah, up on yeah. somebody. Um, so let me play another song from that album real quick called Mexicola. Kind of going back to that whole like connection with Kiss, like this Caius, Kiss, Caius, is this is I would argue a much heavier sounding song than a lot of their subsequent set, like broad spectrum subsequent sounds. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this songwriting on this, especially this song, you can clearly see the evolution from Caius to Queens of the Stone Age because yeah. it has those multiple kind of movements of riffing and riffage roger i'm glad you agree all right right. on to caius (laughs) so you get one song i got one song so i i I did i dutifully listened to all of the songs on here and actually listened to some of the albums on one of the trips i I was making which album did you listen to honestly can't remember was it welcome to sky valley because that was the album that you should have listened to yeah i believe so actually so that is probably what fans consider to be their best album. Okay. It was their, oh gosh, I'm not the most Caius expert. I believe it was their third. Yes. So their first album was called Wretch. People didn't really like that one very much because (laughs) it was produced terribly and I think they re-released it. Um, Then there was Blues for the Red Sun was their second album. Okay. And then their third album, Welcome to Sky Valley, was like, boom, like, this is fucking Caius. And I think that's yeah. really the album that brought Caius to Dave Grohl's attention, gotcha. maybe, but I'm not sure. But let's play the first song off that album. And Adam is probably going to hate it because it's just like, yeah, bro, standard rock. <laughs> <laughs> this is Gardenia. <laughs> So, and that's I like I, said, I didn't mind this for one song. Yeah, but the entire album has the same pace. Yeah, and that's like literally I was driving, um, like over the mountain from Snowshoe, West Virginia, and I was like, "This is gonna put me to sleep." Oh my god! Uh, maybe not put me to sleep, <laughs> Just but it, like, like, like especially when I'm driving. Yeah, I have an issue listening to. Like books on tape, yeah. For books that aren't like filled with action, gotcha. I have an I have an issue listening to podcasts that aren't like laugh that out aren't loud our funny. podcast that aren't our, that aren't <laughs> our podcasts. That's for sure. But even even certain like music, music genres, I can't. Gotcha. I, I I have a issues listening listen to like bluegrass when I'm driving. Gotcha. But Interesting. Um, well, and that album and Caius is very not jam bandy, but. And I think in their live acts, they jammed a lot more, but they focus more on... Jam bandy, you say, eh? <laughs> yeah, like oh, Fish wow. and no one else. <laughs> um, 
this... Do they have a violinist with them? <laughs> I don't think or so. Or a saxophonist? <laughs> Technically, Dave Matthews doesn't have a violinist with them either these oh, days. Oh, well, so. yeah. Um, <laughs> but so Caius definitely jams a little bit more than Queen of the Stone Age does, which their Queen of the Stone Age does go off into kind of jammy, spacey territory, sure. but they're more tightly focused than Caius. Um, the bass player for Caius actually auditioned for the replacement bass player for Metallica when Metallica was looking for a bass player, oh. um, which would have been fucking crazy and fucking awesome. I mean, Trujillo's... Well, he's a badass and yeah. fucking awesome too, but it would have been such a different sound. I don't know yeah. what that would have done to them. It would have been so cool. But the drummer, Brant, Brant Bjork... Um, has his own band, kind of still the desert rock kind of scene. Um, anyway, I would suggest Caius. The album "Welcome to Sky Valley" is the album to listen to. All right, let's uh, keep plugging along, yeah. Adam. I, so we've got two albums left as far as what is what's on your playlist. Yes. Yeah, so, like Clockwork and Villains. So yeah. So we get back to Queens of the Stone Age. Yes. So I like both of these albums. Yes. Um, I think they're fantastic albums. What song Excuse would you me. like to play? Because I've um, just played a lot of songs from myself. Uh, play from Like Clockwork, Like Clockwork. If I had a tail, please. <laughs> and I'd say this is not super groovy. Well, when it drops. Oh yeah, when it drops. This is a badass song and a badass album. Yes. So going and finishing up this playlist, Like Clockwork came out in 2013. Villains came out in 2017. Mm -hmm. And Like Clockwork was written by Josh Homme and the band when Josh Homme was in a very dark place. Yeah. And um, he had knee surgery, like routine knee surgery, and died on the table. And was dead for like three minutes. Wow. And he was in like a total fucked up funk for a while. And so Like Clockwork is really dark and really oh, heavy. It is heavy. Compared to Villains, which was a total rejection of that heavy idea. Much more dance oriented, much more. But it's more wanting to focus on the happiness of life rather than the sadness of life, which is what like clockwork was sure. trying to do. But I feel like they're very good bookend albums. Yes, they are. Um, and actually I remember reading the Oasis guy, Noel Gallagher, sure. whatever the fuck. Um, he, You're my wonder <laughs> yeah, they wrote one good song, um, <laughs> and then thought about it for the next right. 10 years. <laughs> so he, Oh yeah. Oasis birds. Yeah. Watch out. Oasis bros are coming for you. <laughs> um, so he had an interview cause he released an album recently and an interview that was like, Oh, all those American bands are just talking about Trump and all they talk about is political stuff. Bleh. Number one. And he, t- he mentioned, like, Queens of the Stone Age. He was, like, specifically talking about the Queens of the Stone Age album, Villains. Oh. 
which he is must have been living under a fucking rock yeah. and not listened to it because uh, it was like a direct rejection. Like I think Queens of Stone Age was deliberately not going to talk about Trump at all or anything political. Not that they've been a very political band before, right. but there was it would be an easy trap to fall into to be political at that point yes but it was it pissed me off because i was like oasis guy go back to the desert (laughs) (laughs) hey oh get it get it listeners get it (laughs) oasis in the desert no wait all right i will write to everybody the crux of this joke and And, how i came up with it (laughs) was there another song that you wanted to play off of like clockwork i mean i like the i like like most most of the songs um yeah, n- nothing that was really like calling out. To yeah, really, so I think with since we both think that this is a very good album, you know, we don't. I don't have to prove to you any Correct. why you're wrong about any other and so, songs. <laughs> <laughs> and so, some of the thing with villains. So I would like to play "Feet Don't Fail Me" on okay. villains because I uh, there's there's a theme. Like I love good intro songs to albums and just totally. across all music bands. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So, but this is yet another great example of Queens doing doing that. Yeah, and also another example of their album, like their intro to album songs, like starting off on a little bit weirder note. Totally, so. especially since like Clockwork started with like glass breaking, yeah, and just like deep guitar coming after you. When I first heard this album and listened to the song, I was like, "Oh boy!" And then I got to the. <laughs> the song part of this I was like yeah (laughs) we'll get there (laughs) yes just a groovy fucking another song that just makes you want to fuck (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's what it is okay (laughs) well this is so again um we talked about the rotating lineup they had for yeah. their albums, and this is an album that they really, they really didn't have that many collaborators. They had maybe, I, don't, I could be completely wrong, but I think I'm right. This was more of a band album, gotcha. rather than having a bunch of collaborators come in, which is great. But um, they were more focused on songwriting as a band in this setting. I see. It's a great album. I yeah, love it. I, I I really really like this album. So, but yeah, so there, right. there we are, listeners. So yes, we have made it through the journey to present day. When <laughs> welcome, you are listening to, ni- to, <laughs> to 1919. <laughs> 2019. Trump is still president. <laughs> this was like my. Uh, <laughs> this is like trying to get somebody into the Queens of the Stone Age. Like, isn't this just sexy? <laughs> this is sexy, <laughs> sexy music. Um. So yes, in this journey, we have made it up to present day. We've gone through my college years, my law school years, like clockwork and villain, well, like clockwork being the cataclysm of my law school passion for (laughs) Queens of the Stone Age, and when I saw them tour multiple times. We are running long, Adam. We have been recording this episode, will probably be our longest yet, (laughs) and I'm so excited. Yeah. Um. But let's talk, do a little bit of our last segment of Why Heart Queens of Stone Age, do yep. our kind of cleanup thoughts yeah. about this. Uh, would you like me to start or would you like to start? I'll start and then we, we can we can finish off. I will you. finish up. So I like, I love Queens of the Stone Age, like like slash love Queens of the Stone Age, um, partially because of their connections to like the Foo Fighters. Um, I, I, 
I find that connection really cool. And they just seem like a very genuine band. Like they're in it to make music. Uh, Josh Homme doesn't really care about a lot, a lot of other stuff. I, I don't know how best to describe it, but he, like, I like his personality because it seems like he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he, w- <laughs> he wants to make music. Yeah. And he has made a comfortable enough lifestyle and so is now, and you know, it's, he's coming from a point where he's comfortable enough to just make music. Yeah. So it's great that he's at that point, but also at the very beginning, I mean, that was kind of his point of desert sessions and Caius and Queens of the Stone Age was yeah. never really to break through, but was to just make music. And yeah. by doing that, he broke through. Right. So I think it proves that you can be very original and not be cookie cutter as far as band formation. And I think it's really interesting as Queens of the Stone Age came up through and really got big was the same. It was the boy band era. So it was like a complete rejection of everything like super, super corporate pop that he was seeing getting all the MTV. Yeah. I mean, the uh, biggest rock band um, was Nirvana and then it got taken over by ska and um, boy bands and shit. And, you know. Here we are today. Yeah, so that's why that's why I like them. And once again, you know, I, I I find different aspects of different of their different albums really interesting, and yeah. I like a lot of their music. But you know, Queens of the Stone Age is always on a, on consistent rotation. Totally, for me. nice. Now now let's get into oh you, boy, Daniel. Here we go. All right, so well, he needs another hour <laughs> for the yeah for the next hour of our podcast. Yes. Um. So Queens of the Stone Age, we talk about comfort food type media like. Simpsons or Frasier sure. or Redwall with your um, comfort food books. My weird mice and, and your badger hot, books. Your hot root soup. <laughs> hot root and shrimp soup. Um, Queens of the Stone Age is my comfort band. They, I, I don't think they have made a bad album. I think all of their albums are a consistent evolution with consistent songwriting. And I don't think they have written a bad song. Would you say they're more of a comfort band than like Metallica is for you? <sighs> Maybe. I would say so. Okay. Um, just because, and that's one of my, one probably why I may put Queens of the Stone Age over Metallica is because they're, they're more out there. Like Metallica tours in Europe all the time. Then they just tour. They don't record new songs. Yeah. But Josh Homme and Queens of the Stone Age are just recording and touring constantly. Yeah. So they're more, new stuff is more readily available. Gotcha. So while I don't get like tired of old Queens of the Stone Age albums or old Metallica albums, but going from Metallica's, to get a new Metallica album, you have to wait like eight years. Yeah. To get a new Queens of the Stone Age, now they're kind of slowing down a little bit. You have to wait four years. Yeah. Which isn't bad, but it's just, I, I love Queens of the Stone Age so much, and they're more of my comfort food band because there's new stuff out there. The old stuff is really, really good. Um, and I'm always kind of discovering something new with each album. They also, Josh Homme, again, like you said, is well-respected on the music scene. So he is like very good friends with Dave Grohl and very good friends with uh, some of the band members of Mastodon. Yeah. So he sings backing vocals for the song Colony of Birchmen on the album Blood Mountain by Mastodon. And listening to that song 
makes me want to listen to Queens of Stone Age. <laughs> I actually equate like different genres of like the rock genre, but I equate Queens of the Stone Age similar to like Nine Inch Nails. Oh yeah, like Trent, uh, Trent from Nine Inch Nails, just known to be this like very out there, but v- yeah. like pushing the boundaries of what. Like he's he's there to make music. Yeah. Like, like there are a lot of his songs. I'm like, whoa, that's really freaking weird. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that's nearly to that extreme with Queens of the Stone Age, but Josh Homme is very, I would say, of similar ilk. Yeah. Well, and they work together. Yeah. Dave Grohl and Trent Reznor and Josh Homme have worked together. Um, I would really like to do that songs for the Deaf Road Trip at some point. Yeah, let's do it. Gotta be awesome. Um, and then we could pull up to the studio and be like, hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> Let me take one of your guitars. What did you think about them live when you when you saw them? Other than being... That is always like my biggest fear about a band is yeah. that they're going to suck live. But um, And something that... Uh, Josh Homme has flaws. And while Josh Homme isn't Queen of the Stone Age, he's the consistent founding longest running member of Queens of the Stone Age. And if he leaves Queens of the Stone Age, there's no Queens of the Stone Age. Right. So I apologize for the same thing for the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do think Josh Homme, and I'll get back to your question about what I thought of them live. um, Because I do think Josh Homme is a little flawed. He, as you may have guessed, is very addicted to drugs and alcohol. And at some points has played, intoxicated and i've been very lucky with the albums or the live shows that i've seen he's played intoxicated enough that he's not playing poorly yeah but i've heard of shows where he's been a little too drunk and they've like walked off um and or they've walked off because he gets pissed off or something and the band gets pissed off at the people um i think but i've seen like record like uh, videos on the YouTubes. Oh wow! <laughs> um, of like really intoxicated versions of certain songs, and you can yeah. tell he's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. struggling. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of worries me as a fan because I want him to stick around because I think when he gets older, it would be interesting to see where he would go as kind of a more mellow artist. Um, but seeing them live, they were awesome. Um, they're the first going from Charlotte to Asheville. So in Asheville, they actually played that song Mexicola, which they don't play very often from their first album. And it was fucking awesome. And I was really excited to hear that. Um, The third time I saw them, set list was pretty consistent with the first two times. But then the fourth time they played a couple older songs that they added, they were really great. They were awesome. They were tight. They had a lot of good stage banter. They were focused on each other and playing the music yeah. and just kicked fucking ass, man. Um, I would really like to see them play. And what's interesting is Josh Homme has talked about um, they'll never not play No One Knows and the hits and stuff like that. I would love to see him play more of the album tracks, but I probably won't see that because he said that we're never not going to play No One Knows because that's the song that got us to where we are and fans come to see us play that song. So if we didn't play it, they would go home disappointed. Yeah. So I would love to see like more of like God is in the radio and mm-hmm. some of the more album tracks, but live they're fucking awesome. I think that's interesting that he said that because there are 
I think there are a lot of bands and music artists, music bands, music artists that become resentful of their most popular songs. Totally. So I think that's a really interesting uh, validation that we're here because we made this popular song that people want to hear. Right. We shouldn't disown it because yeah. it because people want to hear it. Totally. It's yeah. like it's the same thing. Like you know, if the Foo Fighters didn't play Everlong or right. Learn to Fly or Metallica play Enter Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that 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 it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Anyways, anyway, yeah. So, so awesome live. Queens of Stone Age, amazing band. If all right, here's what I'll do for Josh Homies. Oh, so also, <laughs> shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age has also connected me to other bands. Okay. So Josh Homie has produced several recent albums that I really love. The band CRX, their album that came out in 2016. I'm blanking on the name. It may just be called CRX. Um, was produced by Josh Homme yeah. and was formed by the Strokes guitarist. Oh, it was okay. really good, really funky. Um, they just came out with a new album recently that wasn't produced by Josh Homme, and it's very keyboard and ambient heavy. And I'm like, damn it. Um, Josh Homme is also married to Brody Dahl, who was the front person guitar player of the punk band The Distillers. Um, and he produced her solo album, which is really, really good. If you have not listened to it, okay. it is very good. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just like a weird kind of connection of rock bands that you really wouldn't categorize together sure. that all kind of share this connection with Josh Homme and Queens of the Stone Age. And that's why I heart Queens of the Stone Age. All right. So if you're a Queens of the Stone Age noob, you want to start somewhere, start with Songs for the Deaf. If you want to hear more of Eagles of Death Metal, listen to Peace, Love, and Death Metal. If you are wanting to get more stonery and get a listen to Caius, check out Welcome to Sky Valley. Sweet. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, listeners. I know that this was a, a joy to get through. Yes, definitely a joy. <laughs> um, no, thank you, for Daniel, for kind of walking I, us through. I that, really so. appreciate you letting me do this because I knew that it was going to be a longer uh, episode and... But we, yeah, we recognize this early on. <laughs> yes. Um, it's also, <laughs> no, but I, I think the, the, as, as we do with most of our, most of our music band episodes, we'll put the playlist up. On oh our, yeah, totally. Enjoy uh, the three hour and 44 minute long playlist. I think that's the, the cool thing about what we do as a service oh, to boy. our <laughs> listeners is we, no, like you, you distill down your experience yeah. into a playlist. Which totally. Is, awesome selves um so let's get into recommendations and then sure. we will give a brief announcement and then we will say good night okay um recommendations all right you want to recommend first sure um do you remember our last few recommendations nope okay so for me you recommended aziz ansari's oh, stand-up special yeah. i have not watched it That's i really okay. i want to because i do want to see how he responded to the Sexual harassment allegations. Yeah. You also recommended Ed, the Bowling House Lawyer, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have not watched it because I don't like watching shit on YouTube. I know. You're going to just wait <laughs> until you also said you were going to provide a playlist <laughs> and you did not. So, for what? For Ed, the Bowling House Lawyer, like an episode playlist. Oh. I didn't ask you for it because I didn't <laughs> want to watch shit on YouTube. But, um, and you also suggested that I watch. Uh, the Lamb of God documentary as the palaces yes. burn, which I did and was very good. Yes. Thank you. Last time I recommended to you 
we'll just go back to the previous episode because I'm forgetting the other ones. Oh, I just recommended the album Power Trip. Yes. Or the band Power Trip's album Nightmare Logic. Yes. The last time I recommended to you the book A Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Yes. I have downloaded and started reading it and I, I'm not very far. Gotcha. I, I like it. Yeah. You know, for the first like chapter, I yeah. like it so far. But. It is, I think I mentioned in the last episode, it is a really good book, but there was one clear point where like I, it, I had a, not a trouble starting it, but was just like, okay, going through the book. Sure. But then there was one clear chapter where it was just like, fuck, this book is really good. Gotcha. So, yeah. It's not. It's maybe like fifty or sixty pages in. Yeah. So, get to that point, and I think you'll be golden. Yeah. It's more just been time that I've. Time uh, isn't on Adam's side <laughs> to sad. read a book. <laughs> um. So, what would you like to recommend to me this episode? So it's another YouTube thing. <laughs> I'm gonna get you to do it. Uh, well, this I think is really. <laughs> It's a channel called Girlfriend Reviews. Girlfriend, please. <laughs> no, it's so it's this uh, boyfriend or girlfriend who started up this YouTube channel, and the the it's a uh, they started up kind of as a joke, uh-huh. um, but basically the girlfriend gives reviews of video games, not of the video game, but what it's like to like watch someone play oh, the video interesting. game. Okay. It's, and they're like, they're relatively, they're like four to eight minutes long and okay. they're freaking hilarious. I'll check it out. And I think that it, it's, it's really quite cute at times because she gets into, she is basically trying to explore why her boyfriend loves certain video games so much. Gotcha. And they become very popular. They have like well over 500,000 subscribers, to the channel, like, multi, you know, Anyway, so I, I find them all very funny, especially for the games that I have played before. Gotcha. So the first one, the first video is, uh, uh, it's, in, it's, in, it's titled, Should Your Boyfriend Play Red Dead Redemption 2? Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having played that in front of my wife, <laughs> I should watch that one. It's, it's, I think they're... If, because I haven't played many of these games. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's very funny cool. and it's very lighthearted. Okay. So, yeah. I'll check it out. All right. And what would you like Maybe. to recommend to me this uh, this week? This will tie in a little bit to, I'll have two quick recommendations for you. This will tie in a little bit to our next few episodes. I've recommended to you before a video game called Mount and Blade Warband. Yes. It Not is, on this podcast. Right. But, but yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. In it general. is a RPG, kind of a janky RPG. <laughs> the graphics are bad, <laughs> but the controls are great because as the character that you make, you have to... So it's a medieval kind of RPG. Yeah. You have to, when you're fighting somebody, you have to swing the mouse and swing the mouse. Okay. But the... For those who can't see, Daniel just swung his hand around. <laughs> like I was swinging a sword. <laughs> idiot. Uh, yeah, idiot Adam. Um but so mountain mount and blade you have to be careful because it sounds like you're saying mountain blade (laughs) (laughs) it's the blade of mountains so mount and blade and mount and blade warband have star wars mods and they are awesome okay because you can become a jedi you could be a droid jedi oh man and you just go around the galaxy it's a very well-made mod 
they like have all these planets that are very part of the extended universe. Um, and you can like join the hut cartel. You could join the empire. You can join the rebellion. Mm. Very cool. Okay. So, and it's usually pretty cheap. If you can't find Mount and blade Warband cheap on steam, look somewhere. Somebody has got to have a key for it. Okay. Um, that would make it cheap. Second recommendation for you is the Between Two Ferns movie just came out. Oh, okay. Yes. So Scott Aukerman, my podcast love, um, (laughs) directed and wrote Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, Lauren Lapkus, um, several other improv comedians, um, although Zach Galifianakis is stand-up rather than improv. But... The movie is very, very funny, okay. and you should watch it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, that's on my list. So. And you should listen to the Comedy Bang Bang podcast episode where they talk about, it has Zach Alfanakis, Lauren Lapkus, and the two other comedians, main comedians, talking about the movie on the show. Cool. It is very good. All right. Let's do, all right, we're almost done, listeners. We're <laughs> almost done. We've almost made it to the... The promised land. <laughs> the promised land. So next two episodes, we are going to cover. That is not the theme at all. No one guessed what that was. We are covering. We are covering Star Wars. Why are you playing the Imperial March? Because you're Darth Vader. Oh, yes. <laughs> we talk oh. about your empire, Imperial proclivities in another episode. <laughs> anyway. so That's true. <laughs> yeah. There's darn troublemakers, oh, the rebels. Here we go again. Um, so, yeah. yes. So, we, we have two episodes coming up. So, it's a, it's a two-parter. Um, a twofer. Twofer. But we'll release them separately. Yes. Yeah. So the first episode that we'll be covering is just the movies themselves. Correct. Um, that should take, you know, maybe just three, maybe four hours. You know, pretty simple. Adam is not a Star Wars fan not at all. at all. I had to tell him that they were these uh, far out <laughs> space operas. Um, so, yes, we will discuss the movies yep. first. And then the second episode. Yep, we're, we'll discuss kind of the extended universe. Yes. So, the books, the games, yeah. the card games, like oh every God. every associate, and that's the thing about George Lucas is he has done a wonderful job of licensing Star Wars onto everything. Yes, um, but yeah, you know, associated TV shows like the Clone Wars, yeah. um, like the Legos. Oh boy, here we go. Adam <laughs> oh is yeah, I just misty eyed. Um, but the so the two episodes will basically cover my love of Star Wars. Yes. and Daniel's love slash appreciation yes. of Star Wars. Um, but I, we, we wanted to split it up into two, so yes. it wasn't going to be a 10 hour long episode. Yeah. If you want more information about our podcast, you can always find us online at many different social media and other things. All the social medias. We are on Twitter at passion fruits, SP two passion fruits, P two passion fruits, P two. <laughs> I can't remember. Just search passion fruits podcast. <laughs> Uh, we are on Facebook at Passion Fruits Podcast. We're on email at on email <laughs> Passion Fruits Podcast at gmail.com. And Instagram at Passion Fruits Podcast. Uh, you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Dan is in the radio. Again, tell me if you are coming from Passion Fruits Podcast and please don't sell me any jeans. 
<laughs> um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Adam.Tay. Thank you so much for listening. Keep Grazie. on rocking in the free world. Thank <laughs> you.